views and opinions expressed by hosts, invited speakers, and callers do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Black Talk Media Project or the Black Talk Radio Network. Revolution comes with a price tag. You were slave to a flag in a country that clearly doesn't love you when they probably never have. Told you turn the other cheek. And they made it with a bat. Fucking protesting them sit-ins. Told you go fight in the war. Vietnam, you died good riddance. The man of the house rule took you from your siblings. Turned around and pump crack right up in your city. And they just turned all your leaders to martyrs. You was off in the war. Now who was guarding your daughters? It was riots in the streets. Killed Malcolm and Martin. Called a national guard up because we ride with our guard up. And that was blood in your guard. It's like in the mimic on the fly. To you, everything that they taught you was a lie to you. See, they get in your skin and they die in the shoot. Take the American dream and then you die to the suit. One day it'll all make sense. If it ain't about power, then it don't make sense. But none of that money matters when you live in madness. The one that you figure out that all you got is this. Peace, love, and the middle finger. Good afternoon and welcome to Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. I'm behind the enemy lines known as USA Inc. And today's date is September the 4th, 2015. Give me just a second as I stop this music. All right. Yeah, today is a Friday afternoon again. It's September the 4th, 2015. Uh, Today we do not have a scheduled guest, so we'll have open lines, open forum, but of course I always have some news to share, so if you have any news that you would like to share, any commentary, uh, please don't hesitate to give us a call. Uh, Also, I'll only be on air maybe an hour today, well at least an hour today, because I'm still working on my reports um, for our station's performance and uh, the other media operations of the Black Talk Media Project as uh, after the first of every month, uh, we try to get those reports together and get those sent out to those who have contributed to our uh, operating costs, uh, those donors who have contributed to the 2015 fundraiser for the Black Talk Media Project. It's taken me a little longer because I'm going to start including uh, our social media reach and include those in the reports um, that go along with, you know, the number of people who tuned in to the digital radio station, Black Talk Radio Network, as well as those who are downloading the podcast from iTunes, Stitcher, and of course our own network, BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. And so I just want to uh, start including uh, the reach of the several Facebook pages that we operate. And I'm still debating whether or not um, if I'm going to include the uh, reach of the YouTube channels because I'm trying to figure out if I can get a monthly report because we do operate two YouTube channels, uh, Black Talk Radio on YouTube as well as New Abolitionist Radio also maintains a YouTube account. So I got a whole lot to do and get out. So um, 
if we don't have a lot of participation today, I'll just get through these news stories and then get to work. Uh, we do have a full lineup for you tonight in terms of live streaming here on Black Talk Radio Network um, at 6 o'clock p.m. Tando Radio Show will be on. Uh, they will be talking about the wicked man's tricks, talking about economics and religion. On Race Treaty Radio, they will have uh, a guest, Reverend Daniel Buford, and they will be discussing the United States of America and state-sanctioned state domestic terrorism. Um, the Lotus Place, oh, excuse me, the Race Treaty Radio uh, comes on at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. And then uh, the last program on tonight will be the Lotus Place. And it is... Um, titled Black Butter Love, Good Women, and Bad Dating. That program comes on at 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Remember, uh, we do have several media partners. We do have um, people who lease radio streams from the Black Talk Media Project, and they also post their upcoming programming on our network, blacktalkradionetwork.com, and you can tune in to their radio stations at any time, just like you can tune in to Black Talk Radio Network's digital radio station, always in operation 24-7 with live streaming and pre-recorded programming. Now, here, uh, let me give out the phone number, Scotty. Um, yeah, the telephone number, if you would like to uh, share any commentary, report any news, anything you would like to uh, relay to the listeners, give us a call at 641-715-3660. Again, the number is 641-715-3660. The participant code is 549-032-POUND. Again, that's 549-032-POUND. Hit star six and one to comment on air. Of course, you can also use the web-based flash phone as long as you have a headset. And that's a free call no matter where you are in the world. Um, so now, here are some of the things that caught my eye over this past week in terms of news. Uh, some things that I would like to relate to you as well as provide some commentary about. And uh, one of those stories here, well, let me just give you a rundown of the stories. Hopefully I can get to them all, but I have linked to them um, if I'm not able to cover them all today and you can read them for yourself. All right. So despite a judge's court order, Denver police and prosecutors are still harassing jury nullification activists. And jury nullification is something I don't think is talked about enough in the black community. Um, the president, he recently gave a speech to the NAACP and he, in this speech, he called for reforms and redemption. Now, the article that I linked to, and I'm so glad that they linked to the president's recommendations from his 21st century po uh, policing task force. I see I misspelled that in the program description, uh, but yeah. Just like yesterday, I talked about Ohio, the state of Ohio, and the community policing advisory committee that they put together in the wake of all of these uh, police killing people. Um, so, I talked about that yesterday in the language that they used, and 
it's important to make a distinction between what is actual policy and what is policy recommendations. All right. Uh, recommendations and telling police departments and whoever telling them they should do something or they ought to do something isn't the same thing as, as dictating to them what they will do, what the policy will be. Whole lot different. And unfortunately, um, not unexpected, the same sort of recommendations are in President Obama's 21st century po uh, policing task force recommendations. All right. And that, I'm wondering why maybe I just wasn't, you know, paying attention that day. But I haven't seen the final report that they issued. This is the final report. I haven't seen that talked about a whole lot. And I wonder why. I wonder why. Uh, but I will try to talk about it today. Um, here is a, a late entry that I added. It was shared uh, by one of the abolitionist comrades. I think Max shared this on our Facebook page, New Abolitionist Radio. And so I like, man, let me add this to today's uh, news. Uh, criminal misconduct is dominating Baltimore police terminations, which shows more than just a few bad apples. Because, see, we hear these people that want to say, and and I and then some of us we will often say, oh, it's just a few bad apples. No, it's not just a few bad apples. When you have uh, patterns and practice of these sort of things, police brutality, police killings, police terrorism in general, a pattern and a practice does not uh, indicate that there are just a few bad apples. No, it points to the entire institution as being corrupt and rotten to the core. So, you know, we have to stop using incorrect language when we describe uh, some of the problems that are going on in the world today. It is not just a few bad apples uh, that is causing police to get a bad name. No, it is, it, it is more than just a few bad apples. It's their gang-like mentality. It is the um, lack of accountability in a lot of these cases and so yeah we want to talk about that but Baltimore police um, actually I guess have been firing some of these people um, so and they in 25 percent of the terminations are results of criminal activity on the behalf of the police and again this is more than just a few bad apples you know um, a member I don't know if y'all saw this Today, I saw it today. Somebody shared it on Twitter as I was, you know, checking Twitter for some news. And a member of Donald Trump's security team stole a banner that said that Donald Trump was racist. And they took this banner from this man who was protesting at some event Donald Trump was having or was on his way to. And so a member of Donald Trump's security team just ripped it out the man's hand. The man then went to retrieve his property from this security uh, personnel, and the security personnel punched him in the face, man, punched him in the, in the side of the head, something, and this is all caught on video, and I don't know if y'all had an opportunity to see that, but Donald Trump is talking about pressing charges against the man who is described as a Latino who was calling Trump a racist via his his banner and via his first amendment speech rights that people like to talk so much about 
And so, you know, he was the one that was assaulted. And this security guard um, should be arrested for theft of property and then assault. But, you know, I, I highly doubt if that's going to occur. That's why I say, man, I don't care nothing about their laws. I don't care about any of their dictates and saying this or that because, you know, their laws are unjust. And a lot of times, you know, they don't prosecute people that should be prosecuted. They don't arrest people that should be arrested. I mean, for God's sake, you have a bona fide war criminal running for um, the Democratic nomination. And I'm talking about Hillary Clinton. Which I did not include this in today's uh, news stories, but let me just go ahead and say this right quick. I've seen more evidence uh, today that black voters and black voters do not mean all black people. Okay, because majority of black people, like the majority of all people in this country, do not participate in the political process. For various reasons, some of those reasons are very legitimate, some of them not so legitimate, but it's their choice. But when I say black voters, I am talking about the very small minority within the black community that actually does cast the ballot. And I saw an article come out today about Bernie Sanders, and he was telling this, um, he was giving an interview to somebody, and he told them that. Hillary Clinton has a very big edge over him with black voters. Now, I'm not saying I'm not endorsing Bernie Sanders or, or anything like that. Okay. Uh, but what that shows me then that, again, you know, a lot of black people don't have any kind of self-respect. That many of them suffer from Stockholm Syndrome. Because how in the heck... Can you be out here or saying that you support, you know, that you acknowledge that mass incarceration, a.k.a. modern slavery, is an issue that you are very concerned about? Uh, police killings in our neighborhood, police brutality, slave catching in our neighborhoods is a very big concern. Uh, private prison industry, you know, the school to prison pipeline is a very big concern as a black voter of yours. But then you turn around and, and you express unbridled support for a person who is responsible more than most people for those things today. That just that's just dysfunction, to say the very least, mental illness, possibly. Or you just so uninformed. I, I don't know what it is, maybe because she showcased. A lot of black women in her campaign. So I, I'm, I'm, you know, assuming that a lot of these black voters that support Hillary Clinton are black women. I, you know, I, I'm just making that's an assumption. I don't have any data to back it up. But I do know she does showcase a lot of people, uh, black people. You had a black woman uh, who just recently testified. Cheryl Mills is her top aide, one of her top staffers. Uh, has been for a very long time, been at, you know, Hillary Clinton's side, keeping her secrets and whatnot. And she testified, um, it was either this morning or yesterday, but she testified at the congressional hearing looking into Benghazi, and she, you know, was basically saying she don't remember this or she don't remember that. Because, remember, you know, she is, uh, her job is to protect her boss, and her boss is Hillary Clinton. So, you know, 
she she's willing to fall on her sword or or whatnot for uh Hillary Clinton. So I mean that's the only thing I can I can come up with to explain why so many black voters support a clear and evident and imminent threat to the black community. But go figure, go figure. I don't know. Maybe you know some Hillary Clinton supporters can call in and tell me why they're supporting Hillary Clinton. I don't. I just don't see the logic in anyone uh black concerned about any of the issues plaguing the black community could vote for this woman. I just I don't understand that. Doesn't make any sense. All right, so let me uh go ahead and jump on this first story because I feel like jury nullification is not talked about enough in the black community. Let me give you an example of jury nullification. A more recent example of jury nullification. One you're probably not thinking about, especially if you never even heard of the phrase jury nullification. But in Charlotte, North Carolina, which I live right outside of Charlotte, you had the trial of the killer cop, Randall Carrick, uh, who was on trial, manslaughter charges for gunning down an unarmed Jonathan Farrell, who had wrecked his car, was seeking help in, in this uh, community in Charlotte. When uh, these cops came upon him and while he was walking towards them, and these were black cops, and, you know, it's it's not a racial issue for me. You know, I know black people are the victims of it, but all too often, you know, you got black people wearing badges that's part of the, the system. But, you know, these um, two black cops, instead of asking him, you know, um, to be still and give him commands and stuff like that to find out what was going on and they just pull out their tasers and put the red dot on his chest scaring him then he's running away thinking he's about to get shot and that's when he runs into Randall Carrick who shoots him 10 times in the chest now despite the evidence despite you know the fact that um this was clearly a case of excessive force you had the jury end up in a mistrial because most of the white people on the jury were were unable to empathize with the victim, Jonathan Farrell, and they empathized with the white cop. And so they wanted to vote not guilty. Um, you had other people on the jury who was like, saying, no, this guy's guilty. You know, Jonathan Farrell didn't deserve to die. He didn't break any laws. He didn't commit any crimes. This guy's reaction was totally unjustified. Talking about the cop was totally unjustified. This was unjustifiable homicide. And they voted to convict him. Well, it ended up in a mistrial. That's what, that's called jury nullification. Anytime these juries when they're presented evidence and they fail to indict these cops, which is in the majority of the cases, that's jury nullification. Even if you get an indictment and it goes to trial and they, despite the evidence, all right, of a person's guilt, they like, no, I support cops. You know, that person shouldn't have been wearing a hoodie. That person shouldn't have been walking while black. That person shouldn't have talked back. That, that person shouldn't have demanded that the cop respect his rights. Yeah, so they'll vote not guilty. That's called jury nullification. All right. 
Now, jury nullification, as far as I know, in this country, the ideal or the concept of jury nullification is older than um, the United States itself. All right. It is rooted in English common law. But jury nullification was quite was used quite often to free people who were charged under the Fugitive Slave Act in the 1800s. And what the Fugitive Slave Act was, it criminalized the people who participated in the Underground Railroad and who were helping enslaved Africans escape to freedom through the Underground Railroad. So if they were found to have, you know, have some enslaved Africans uh, found in their basement or cellar or, or whatever, if they were found to be assisting, you know, enslaved Africans in any kind of way to help them escape slavery then they were charged under the slavery uh the slave fugitive act now so what those juror members did that that did not believe in the law the jury you know the um excuse me the fugitive slave act they didn't support that and they thought the law was unjust and and that, you know, they shouldn't be putting people in prison for helping another human being escape, you know, uh, slavery, then they would vote not guilty. That's jury nullification. They nullify the law. All right. So I said all that to tell you this story about Denver police who are continuing, despite a federal judge's order to to stop harassing jury nullification activists. All right, they continue to do, and I'm sure the prosecutor ain't got a problem with it. But let me share this article with you that came out about five days ago. And it says that two days ago, a federal judge ordered Denver police to refrain from harassing activists distributing jury nullification pamphlets near the Lindsay Flanagan Courthouse in Denver. Activity that the city conceded is protected by the First Amendment. Now, just to give you a visual, what these activists did, and all of them are white, and every time I see these stories about jury nullification activists, they all happen to be white. I don't really see any black people uh, who are really pushing this as a tactic to use against the, un the system of injustice, the criminal injustice system. I don't see the the NAACP, the Urban League, or National Action Network holding any kind of seminars or workshop and informing their members about jury nullification. Look, you don't have to vote guilty on these nonviolent, victimless crimes. You don't have to send somebody into slavery who's been who's being charged with prostitution because you know that woman don't want to be out there selling her body but you know she kind of forced to to survive all right so you know well, i just don't think it's just that we should be putting people in prison for an act between consenting adults uh we we you know we don't we don't want you to vote guilty you know on these people that's being convicted on non-violent so-called drug charges because we recognize the drug laws to be unjust to actually be unconstitutional if you want to get right down to it and we know that this is the way mass incarceration aka modern slavery is kept going so we are telling you to 
to uh, get yourself on these juries in a codified manner. But once you're uh, in that back room doing jury deliberations, just vote not guilty. I'm not seeing anybody outside of the very small jury nullification uh, activist community, which for reasons unexplained seems to be made up of mostly white people. And, you know, to, to, to know the history that jury nullification was used to, to keep people from being enslaved for helping enslave Africans, I mean, it just seems like that is a tool that we will continue to use, but it's not. It's not being used. So, continuing on with the article, it said, yesterday morning, according to a new motion, Filed by the lawyer representing Eric uh, Verlo and Janet Matson, the two activists who sought the injunction, a cadre of Denver police officers descended upon them and several associates as they were engaged in exactly the same sort of pamphleting described in the injunction. I don't think I gave y'all a good visual. I'm sorry. Uh, what they were doing is they they obviously got a permit or something to set up a booth on the courthouse grounds. All right. They had like a little, you know, tent, little canopy to keep the sun from beating down on their necks and whatnot. And they had a little table and they were just simply handing out pamphlets about jury nullification of people who walk by. They don't know if these people are sitting on any cases or, you know, are, are, you know, part of the jury pool. They just indiscriminately handing out pamphlets about jury nullification. Well, the prosecutor didn't like that, so he tried to charge them with jury tamper, tampering. And they actually, those charges still remain. Those charges have not been dropped, even though a federal judge has said that this is protected speech under the First Amendment, that they did not target any a particular trial they weren't trying to influence any particular jurors on a trial so this isn't jury tampering this is their first amendment right all right so even after this judge federal judge is that issues this order for these police to stop harassing these activists and and to continue to allow them to engage in their first amendment rights to inform people about jury nullification no the police wasn't having that um and they continue to harass them so uh, the lawyer david lane said that the cops seized all literature regarding jury nullification including about 1,000 pamphlets a small shade shelter a table four chairs buckets a cooler signs and other items he asked that the officers even attempted to take personal property such as purses, computers, backpacks, and other items from the activists, but the pamphleteers resisted the attempts by the police to steal their personal property. The official justification for this raid is that seized items constituted illegal encumbrances of the right of way so basically what they're saying is that they were loitering all right even though they're got this little space off to the side not in front of the door not impeding traffic you know and, and, and again see this is why people don't like cops man 
this is why cops have such bad image. This is why they refer to as as tyrants. You know, the watchdogs of the one percent or the guard dogs of the one percent. In this case, they the guard dogs of the system of slavery. They don't want anybody being influenced that would uh, cause their arrest that they have made of people for under these unjust laws to be nullified by a person on the jury. So, you know, they talk about and then you people want to talk about, you know, they sworn to uphold the Constitution. They take an oath to the Constitution. These people don't give a damn about the Constitution. They don't give a damn about nobody's uh, First Amendment speech rights, Second Amendment, Fourth Amendment, any amendment. They don't care. They don't care. The code, uh, let me see. Let me see if there's anything else. Uh, let me see. The Fully Informed Jury Association, which produces the pamphlets distributed by Verlo and Matson, that's the two activists who had been sued, uh, arrested and then filed a lawsuit, uh, join these activists in their lawsuits and plans to hold a jury rights day event at the courthouse on September the 4th and reports that activist property had had not been returned as of last night when one of the juror rights educators went to the police department to inquire what was the reason for the delay in returning the stolen property FIJA says he was told that property owners must identify their property to retrieve it. So they a bunch of thieves, man. They're a bunch of thieves. So again, man, this is this is why cops have such a bad image. It's because they do bad things. They they trample on the rights of people. Alright? Because they are a integral, a most crucial part of the system of slavery, of modern slavery. Again, they are today's neo slave catchers. That is their job to make people into new slaves in 21st century slavery and human trafficking. And I just think that activists and organizations out there that, that are saying they are against this police terrorism, that say they are against, quote unquote, mass incarceration and, and putting people in prison over nonviolent drug crimes and, and other victimless crimes like prostitution or, or something like that. Um, you know, these organizations need to be informing their members and the public about jury nullification. Stop convicting people all over this stuff. All right. These nonviolent victimless crimes. Now, if a person is a drug addict, let's say they got a substance abuse problem, all right? Now, let's say that they break into somebody's house to feed their habit. Well, you can arrest them for breaking and entering, for burglary, and then they can be punished for that. But you don't punish people for using a substance, any substance. I mean, anything has the potential to be abused. Food is abused. You know, that's why Americans are some of the most obese people on the planet. Because they abuse food. They have a food addiction. But nobody's proposing any kind of law to help America curb its obesity problem by locking up fat people. No, they're not, they're not doing that. Nobody's saying that you know, you're only allowed to have passing a law to where you can only take in so many calories per month. Because that's seen as 
being ridiculous. So how is it not ridiculous that you would come after me if I had a, a plant growing in my backyard because I like, I don't like alcohol and I would rather, you know, use cannabis or I'm using cannabis to treat any number of ailments that it scientifically has been shown to be um, a good form of medicine for. Why would you, why would you try to stop me from growing it? consuming it whether i'm putting it in my food or whether i'm making a, a cannabis smoothie or whatever you know what gives you the right to take away my right to treat myself with a plant that's ridiculous so again you know my whole purpose of bringing this up was that we need to be talking about jury nullification in our communities don't be like the scientist, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, I don't know if that's just how he talks. Remember, I shared a story the other day about the two times he was called to jury duty and he was asking questions about the ridiculous things that the judge was saying and, and whatnot. Like, you know, why would you say 1,700 milligrams when you could just say 1.7 grams, which it's less than the weight of a dime. And, they, and then they're like, oh, this nigga too smart for his own good. We don't know. We don't want him on the jury pool. In the jury pool, let's send him home. You know, I don't know if Tyson was, that's just the way he talks or if he was trying to show off his big brain or whatnot. But no, you should have you recognized what that judge was doing. And then you should have got on the jury and during deliberations, then you should have voted not guilty. Get on these juries. Tell them what they want to hear. Tell the prosecutor what they want to hear or what you think they want to hear. Don't do anything to tip your hand. Get on these juries and then practice jury nullification for certain so-called crimes, things that shouldn't even be a crime. So, again, you know, I'm going to take it upon myself to produce more propaganda in terms of jury nullification to educate the public on this very, very important tool that only a very few uh, people are using. Well, let me take that back. Using to set people free from being enslaved. To prevent their enslavement over these unjust laws. But a lot of people seem to be using jury nullification to set killer cops free. So, anyway. Let me take a station identification break. I may have to go over an hour because sometimes I talk and I talk. But I just try to be thorough. And um, if I have to go over an hour, I'll go over an hour. I can still uh, sign um multitask and get some of these reports worked on doing uh, the other programming that I uh, assist in the production of. But I'm going to take a station identification break. Um, I will check the phone lines when I come back. What are your thoughts on jury nullification? Have you ever heard of jury nullification? Alright, now that you know about jury nullification, will you try to get on a jury and then use it? So, the phone number is 641-715-3660.
641-715-3660. Their participant code is 549032-POUND. Hit star six and one to come in on air. You are tuned in to Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed, and I will be back on the other side. When we see our people being brutalized by white bigots, white racists, uh, we think that they are foolish to allow themselves to be beaten and brutalized and do nothing whatsoever to protect themselves. They are foolish. If they should have the right to, do, to defend themselves against any attack made against them by anyone. If a dog is fighting a black man, the black man should kill the dog. Whether the dog is a police dog, a hound dog, or any kind of dog. If a dog is fixed on a black man, when that black man is doing nothing but trying to uh, take advantage of what the government says it's supposed to be is, then that black man should kill that dog or any two-legged dog, two-legged dog, two-legged dog. I think you'll find, sir, that there will come a time when black people wake up and become intellectually independent enough to think for themselves as other humans are intellectually independent enough to think for themselves. Then the black man will think like a black man and he will feel for other black people. And this new thinking and feeling will cause black people to stick together. And then at that point, you'll have a situation where when you attack one black man, you are attacking all black men. And this type of black thinking will cause all black people to stick together. And this type of thinking also will bring an end to the brutality inflicted upon black people by white people. And it is the only thing that will bring an end to it. No federal court, state court, or city court will bring an end to it. It's something that the black man has to bring an end to, has to bring an end to, has to bring an end to. And welcome back. You're listening to Black Talk Radio News. Once again, my name is Scotty Reed. Uh, let me hit the phone lines again. Let me get that phone number out, 641-715-3660. 641-715-3660. The participant code is 549032-POUND. And of course, hit star 6 and 1 to signal me that you would like to be heard. And we are going to the first caller, 717. Thank you for giving us a call. What's on your mind today? Hey, Brother Scott. It's Brother Davis, man. How are you? I'm not going to complain too much, brother. I'm doing a lot better than many of our brothers and sisters. You're absolutely right, because you understand the uh, concept of deception that's on a 24-hour programming process here in America. And when you speak of jury nullification, that's just another aspect, uh, avenue that is manipulated for and against in given circumstances. One of the things I wanted to bring to your attention was the fact that we as people have been programmed away from our will. And that means that we literally would give it to anything, whether it's to a church, whether it's to a 
it has nothing to do with our needs. Whether it's but the sad part about it is that when you give away your will, you give away your purpose in acting. So therefore, when you see uh, evil or you see uh, acts that are going on that are un uh, should I say that are unnatural or uncommon or against the law, and you do nothing about it, your lack of action literally condones that action that's being done. So therefore, with us not acting, but organizing, to at least make an attempt to do something different, we have submitted our will to the programming process that we are under every day. And the sad part about it is that 90% of us as African-American people who realize they don't like what's going on have no will to do anything at all, and the other 10% that do are busy trying to convince the other 90% of the importance of the purpose. I'd like to commend you because, God, you stay on the front line, you keep giving it, you keep it real, and every fact you give, that you give background so that someone can take their own personal initiative to find your, the truth that you're displaying to be true. And most black people that are listening to you, who are with a pen and pencil, because I do, I figure, you're going to tell me about the geo group, I want to see to what extent their tentacles are expanding. That's worldwide corporations. Mm -hmm. So they're doing this in many countries. Mm -hmm. Not only did you tell me that, but my own due diligence only fortifies the fact that your due diligence and mine are on the same track. And we have to unite with those like-minded people. So I wanted to say thank you. I also wanted to let people know the deception process is ongoing 24-7. And don't think for one minute this is going to be a point that you can find a stitch in the cloth that is out of order because racism and white, well, racism and white control literally is organized not only on individual level, but on every level of society. And if you don't believe it, take your wife to say something unbalance your behavior process due to the fact she may be a I want to thank you again, brother. And my ears in the air, I know I've been shot for a while, but I've been trying to regroup because it's just like you're up front doing things but for people to grasp. There are people in the back preparing for when those people do wake up. So be blessed, brother, and I'll be listening. Thank you. Thank you. Blessings to you and your wife, Mrs. Davis, and uh, thanks for chiming in. All right. Let me clear the callers. Q&A queue is cleared. Again, if you have any comments, any questions, um, anything you would like to share, give us a call at 641-715-3660. The participant code is 549032-POUND and hit star six and one. Once you're dialed in, if you want to um, signal me, let me say something about what Brother Davis was talking about, the programming. And a lot of that programming comes through that television, you know, the television, that idiot box, as I've heard it called. Now, there's nothing wrong with, you know, taking a little bit of time to relax and watch a movie and this and that, you know. But if if you're watching, I would say if you watch more than two hours of that television a day and depending upon what you're watching man you are really wasting a whole lot of time and you are destroying your brain and you're destroying your ability to think independently because they call it television programming for a reason this is called radio programming for a reason 
We are uploading information and data into your brain computer. All right. And so that's how you get programmed to believe this or that, whether it's the truth or whether it's a lie. All right. And so we are programmed to think, to believe that most of the people in prisons on these slave plant, neo slave plantations belong there, that, that they could have done something different in their life and not end up on the prison plantation. Well, that's a lie because we know that they build prisons based on um, third grade, fourth grade reading scores. That if you're not able to read as a youngster, then chances are you probably won't graduate or you probably won't be able to get employment enough to sustain yourself. So you're more than likely going to be out here engaging in um, the street market you know, selling drugs or, or whatever. And and so we know, we know that the plan is to enslave people. All right. And so that is, again, why we must do what we can to program people to say, no, this is unjust. We may not agree with the use of drugs. We may not agree with people prostituting and, and selling their bodies because we know the damage that can be done to them. But we know much more damage will be done to them, often with lifetime consequences, if we put them on a prison plantation where they might be raped, might be beaten, might be killed, infected with HIV, AIDS, whatever, diseases and whatnot. So we got to reprogram our, we got to reprogram the people. You know, one of the things that I wanted to do right now, I'm kind of um, limited to only paying for to promote propaganda on places like Facebook and Twitter. But I wish that we had the budget to where if just like these super PACs that you see putting these ads on TV, spending five, I heard Donald Trump might have dropped $5 million today on an ad. No, that was Jeb Bush. Dropped $5 million in propaganda ads, you know, for his campaign. Well, what if, what if the Black Talk Media Project had five million dollars to drop on a media campaign on television telling people about jury nullification all right what if what if we have five million dollars to uh invest in putting jury nullification programming on billboards on major highways around major you know uh areas population centers and things of that nature so since we don't have that kind of budget, then we just do what we can with what we do have. But these are these are some things that I just would like to put out there in the universe for people to think about. What is the NAACP? All that money that they're getting from uh, Bank of America, from Wells Fargo, banks that are invested in 21st century slavery and human trafficking. I mean, where, what are they spending their money on? Are they spending that money they're getting from them corporations having jury nullification workshops? All right. Are they trying to inform people about that jury right that they have not to enslave people? What are they doing workshops on? What are they spending money on? So, you know, those uh, other than, you know, hosting big banquets for celebrities and in the NAACP Image Awards where they give awards to 
uh, rappers who, you know, tell your kids to be running around the streets with the pants hanging down or or demonizing our young sisters out there. So, you know, just some thoughts, but I'll I'll, I'll move on. I'll move on. Um, the president, speaking of the NAACP, what are they spending their money on? Uh, the president was speaking at a, the NAACP Nat National Convention, which just went down in Philadelphia. Let me see. This article is dated. Um, let me see what's the date of this article. This this is dated from uh, July. All right. But I just saw it. I just saw it the other day. So but I, I think that. It was meant for me to see this so I could also find the other article about his policy recommendations from the 21st Century Policing Commission that he put together. So this is what President Obama said at this uh, at this gala for the 106th National Convention at the Philadelphia Convention Center in July. President Obama called for a comprehensive reform of the U.S. criminal justice system including shorter sentences for certain drug offenses and the right to vote for convicted felons. How about no sentences for drug offenses unless they're giving illicit drugs to children? Okay, how about no sentences, period, for nonviolent victimless drug crimes? Why not? Why, why are you going to try to reform slavery? Oh, we just going to put you in slavery for a shorter time. You know, we, we're not going to put you in there for 20 years. We're just going to put you in there for five years, you know. And, of course, you know, the right to vote for convicted felons. Um, once you served your time, you should automatically have your rights restored. But, again, they don't pay attention to any of the laws that's in place now. That goes beyond their punishment stripping away their rights and like uh my brother uh christopher Irvin, the activist up there in baltimore who's a lobbyist for the people ha has point pointed out that this is part of cruel and unusual punishment this is a lifetime punishment if you say what i did cost should be i should serve five years for it well after those five years are up i'm supposed to be you know Restored to society. I have paid my debt to society. So why this lifetime punishment? Well, because most of the people being locked up is black and they didn't want you to vote to begin with. They didn't want you to have that right to begin with. It's not whether or not we're going to vote our way to freedom. You know, that's that's a different debate. But if this is a right that you say we have, like Malcolm X said, taking advantage of what the government says is is ours, then why is it being denied to these people? Well, it's racism, of course. Justice and redemption redemption go hand in hand, Obama said in a speech. Uh, I see those young men on street corners and eventually in prisons, and I think to myself, they could be me, he said. The main difference between me and them is I had a more forgiving environment so that when I slipped up, when I made a mistake, I had a second chance. All right, so he was like, in Hawaii, I think that's where he spent most of his young formative years until he went off to college. I've, I've spent three years in Hawaii, and he was, wasn't even on the main island. He was on a, a sparsely inhabited island, and so I, I doubted they were being stopped and frisked uh, in Hawaii. My whole entire year, three years in Hawaii, now that I think about it, and I was on the big island of um not the biggest island, but I was on the island of Oahu 
I cannot recall ever going through a police uh, checkpoint. I can't remember at all going through one of those. All right. Anyway, the article that was published in The Guardian said Obama announced no new executive orders, but tied together several of his administration's campaigns from the last few years. He called for cities to embrace the recommendations of his task force on policing. He cited the need for early education as a mean means to use opportunity to prevent crime and highlighted the stark inequalities in incarceration, employment, and education between white people and minorities. He also voiced support for several proposals circulating in Congress, going so far as to commend Republican senators like Rand Paul and John Cornyn for their support of reform. He also noted the unlikely bedfellows of the movement, which is supported by a cast that includes polar opposite senators Ted Cruz and Cory Booker and organizations as ideologically varied as the ACLU, Koch Industries, and Americans for Tax Reform. Look, the Koch brothers is down with ALEC. ALEC um, is made up of a whole bunch of corporations that are profiting for private prison slavery. And so, you know, people can, like, like, like our indigenous brothers and sisters say, I think, you know, these people are speaking with forked tongues, all right? So, anyway, let me join, jump to his recommendations. Now, I don't know if y'all saw this. I certainly did not see it, or I certainly would have brought it to your attention. But I guess it was released with little fanfare, and it didn't go viral. But the 21st Century Policing Task, um, the president's, the official name is, the President's Task Force on 21st Century Policing was issued in May of 2015. This is their final report, okay, without much fanfare i mean i just don't understand how this escaped my attention i gotta do better i gotta do better all right so let me scroll down let me zoom in first of all let me see they embedded this pdf into the thing into uh, the page so let me get down to the executive summary all right and just get to the different sections. They're not really long. I think it's only about five pillars, and they make some conclusions and whatnot. Let me see. It's 453. Let me see. Um, I got time to go through some of this. All right. Now you're going to read the other stuff. Uh, pillar one. These, these are their recommendations. Pillar one, building trust and legitimacy. Building trust and nurturing legitimacy on both sides of the police-citizen divide is the foundational principle underlying the nature of relations between law enforcement agencies. Let me, don't want to strain my eyes. Let me uh, enlarge this some more. All right. Um, in the communities they serve. Decades of research and practice support the premise that people are more likely to obey the law when they believe that those who are enforcing it have authority that is perceived as legitimate by those subject to the authority. The public confers legitimacy only on those whom they believe are acting in procedurally ways, just ways. And in addition, law enforcement cannot build community trust if it is seen as an occupying force in the community. 
from outside. So they setting you up for a trick, right? They setting you up for that diversity trick. All right. Oh, we just get more black cops in the community. All of this stuff won't will stop happening. Well, they got a lot of black cops in Baltimore and you see what's happening there. They got a lot of black cops in New York City. You see what's happening there. And and non-white cops as well, Hispanic cops all over the place, man. And and so let's not act like that they these police departments don't have a considerable number of black people and other non-white people that they are showcasing. All right. That does not just cause you got a whole bunch of non-white cops on the force does not make them seem to be legitimate to me. I still see them as occupying force in these communities with the sole mission. They got two primary missions. That's to arrest people on unjust, under unjust laws to make slaves out of them or to meet ticket writing quotas to steal revenue from those communities to fill the government coffers let me continue on the public um let me see um uh, pillar one seeks to provide focused recommendations on building this relationship law enforcement culture should embrace a guardian rather than a warrior mindset to build trust in legitimacy both within agencies and with the public Toward that end, law enforcement agencies should adopt procedural justice as the guiding principle for internal and external policies and practices to guide their interactions with rank and file officers and with the citizens they serve. Law enforcement agencies should also establish a culture of transparency and accountability to build public trust and legitimacy. This is critical to ensuring decision making is understood in and accord with stated policy. Uh, let's see. Law enforcement agencies should also proactively promote public trust by initiating positive non-enforcement activities to engage communities that typically have high rates of investigative and enforcement involvement with government agencies. Law enforcement agencies should also track and analyze the law. Look, I'm tired of reading these buckets and buckets of words. I'm just going to keep it real with you. All right. I have a link to this. You can go read it for yourself. But as the title suggests, these are recommendations. These don't he didn't issue any executive orders tying the funding that the executive branch of the government controls that goes to these police departments for establishing quotas for drug arrests. He ain't issued not one executive order ending that program, putting a bounty, which is basically a bounty on people's heads. That's what it is to enforce an unjust drug war. See, he's calling for a reduction in sentencing under the drug war. He's not calling for an end to the drug war because he knows if you end that, a whole lot of cops and a whole lot of uh, prison guards will have to find another line of work because you would then eliminate at least 75% of the current prison population which is the largest in the world. Pillar two is called policy and oversight. Pillar two emphasizes that if police are to carry out their responsibilities according to established policies, those policies must reflect 
community values. Law enforcement agency, well, I don't want people locked up for nonviolent drug crimes in my community. They say Gaston County is the meth capital of the world. I don't want y'all hunting down these white people up here to put them in the prison because I don't want, as a taxpayer, to be taxed uh, having to pay 60000 a year, I think it is, to incarcerate an individual here in North Carolina. I don't want to see them white boys and white women locked up and then taxpayer dollars being being put into the prison to the tune of $60,000 a year per person. I think that money will be better spent on a drug rehabilitation program if they want help. I don't think that you should be bothering them at all. Now, if you want, if you want to destroy these drug meth labs, now I ain't got a problem with that. I ain't got a problem because those things can explode. But in terms of like just possession of the drug, some addict out there with the drug, I don't think they should be locked up. I think they should get help. I don't think nobody should be prohibited from and from using cannabis in this community. So that's what I want in my community. I want to end to the drug war. I want a sensible uh, approach to a balance between public safety and per personal rights, freedoms, and liberties. All right? So it ain't about what you want in your community. Let me see. Uh, especially in communities and neighborhoods disproportionately affected by crime to develop policies and strategies for deploying resources that aim to reduce crime by improving relations. Again, these are buckets of words, man. Buckets of words. Just like, you know, on Twitter the other day, this white person going to come at me talking about how much crime is in the black community. And I'm like, you know what? If they were stopping and frisking, White communities at the rate that they stop and frisk people in black communities, predominantly black communities, watch your crime rates go up. See, crime doesn't necessarily mean violent crime. It doesn't necessarily mean murder, rape, burglary, things of that nature. Just possession of a of a uh, cannabis. Let's say I got an ounce of cannabis. All right. That's a crime. That's a victimless crime. I didn't go out there. I didn't injure anyone. I didn't take anyone's property. I didn't do anything to anyone. But that's considered crime. So when they talk about communities that are predominantly affected by crime, those things shouldn't even be classified as crimes. Even a conservative, Ann Rand, said that the only power the government has is to create criminals. Or to define crime. And when there aren't another, uh, let me restate that. This is what Ann Rand said. She said the only power a government has is to crack down on criminals. When there aren't enough c criminals, then the government declares so many things to be crimes that it's impossible for men to live without committing crime. That's a, that's a conservative Tea Party icon right there, Ann Rand who I happen to agree with on that point. That's what's going on. It's not that these communities are plagued by crime. It is that the government has declared so many things to be crime that it's impossible for people to live without committing so-called crime. 
To me, a crime is when I have harmed another individual, when I have deprived them of their life, their liberty, or their property. That's a crime to me. That's my definition of crime. My definition of crime ain't two consenting adults having a monetary exchange to have sex with each other. That ain't no crime. That's a act, that's a business transaction between consenting adults. Now you could say that that's immoral and you can thump your Bible and all this and that. Well, we ain't living in a theocracy. At least I don't want to live in a theocracy. And I don't want to pay $60,000 a year, well, we'll say $120,000 a year to lock up either one of those individuals. Pillar three, technology and social media. The use of technology can improve policing practices and build community trust and legitimacy. <laughs> really, man, are, are you joking me? But its implementation must be built on a defined policy framework with purposes and goals clearly uh, uh, delineated. And implementing new technologies can give police departments an opportunity to fully engage and educate communities in the dialogue about their expectations for transparency, accountability, and privacy. But technology changes quickly in terms of new hardware, software, and other options. Look, we know the NSA been feeding information to these police, and they've been targeting people. We know that they've been combing social media posts to see if, you know, People were saying anything bad about police or if they talking about drug use or anything to target people. That's how they're using technology. They ain't using it. And yeah, they're using it also to try to act like they, you know, really out there doing something, but they ain't really doing anything worth it down. Now, there's a police department here where I live. It's not in my county, uh, the Lincoln County. Uh, I think it was the Lincoln County Police Department or the Sheriff's Department. Well, they was bringing in this guy to who I understand uh, does like little performances all across the country as, you know, these police benevolent associations, fire departments try to raise money for what I don't know. Uh, but they had this guy. I forget his name, but he's a white guy. And he dresses up in blackface and his whole act consist of mocking black people well the NAACP in Lincoln County got wind of it and so they were protesting bringing this guy in to do his blackface you know skit all right I forgot what they used to call it back in the, back in the day uh what did they call it minstrel show put on a minstrel show they they were protesting that you know because they you know part of the community NAACP uh Lincolnton chapter you know nobody wanted to see that and and so when I went on their Facebook page to to give input and whatnot, they deleted every comment I made about it. Right. But anybody that was like saying, oh, this is a First Amendment expression of speech or was generally supportive of the police uh, uh, putting on a minstrel show. Oh, they let those comments remain. But every comment that was against it. They would delete, including the chapter president of the NAACP. They kept deleting her comments. Not only did they delete her, uh, delete my comments, but they banned me from the page. And I do follow some of these local Facebook pages of these police departments as well as their unions because I'm gathering intelligence on them. 
But this is a bunch of bunk, uh, what he's talking about. Pillar four. Let me take a, um, we got two more. And they're not very long, but this is the thing that I'm finding. No, it's pillar six, officer wellness and safety. Um, pillar five, training and education. Pillar four, community policing and crime reduction. But again, all of these are simply recommendations. These aren't policy directives. A directive means I'm directing you to do this. Y'all might say, well, you know, he can't tell these police what to do because they under, you know, state governments and city governments and municipalities and things of that nature. Look, almost every police department in this country gets federal funds, like I told you, putting a bounty on people's heads to arrest them for drug crimes. All right. They can easily say, if you don't implement this, if you don't po follow this policy directive, we will defund you. We will not, you will not be getting any more federal dollars from the executive branch. You will not. I don't care what Congress say. I control the pro purse strings of these programs and I am directing the people in my department, the executive branch of the U.S. government to cut all you people off who do not implement these directives. No, he only su making suggestions to them. That's all he's doing. I suggest you do this. I suggest you do that. You should do this. You should do that. You ought to be doing this. You ought to be doing that. Which means they have a choice not to do it. And if they don't do it, there are no penalties. So he just wasted everybody's time and money putting together this policing task force, which I ain't surprised by this because the the racially showcased black person he put in charge, <laughs> that, that's a trip, a racially showcased puppet president putting another black person puppet and racially showcasing them, putting them in charge of this commission. The Philadelphia Police Commissioner Charles Ramsey has a long documented history of police corruption, brutality, trampling people's rights. He is the current police commissioner of Philadelphia, which has a brutal, brutal, criminal, corrupt police department. This is like, what's the, what's the old saying? This is like the inmates running the prison. He's putting criminals in charge of reforming the crime. I'm not even, I don't even want to waste the rest of y'all time with this. I will jump on uh, training and education. Because like we was talking about yesterday in terms of the Ohio Police Commission's recommendations. Again, these are nothing but recommendations. They are not law. If they do sign them into law, there's still no penalty if they don't follow the law. And again, if the law says we recommend you do these things, I mean, how can you even call that a law? These the politics that they use, people. These the politics. But I am going to take a short station identification. I'm going to go ahead and do another full hour. Again, coming up at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, Brother Dave will be on air. Um, but yeah, I want to cover these things. I want to cover these things and have a conversation about them. Um, I do want you to give us a call. 715. Let me make sure that's the right number. I haven't, um, 
memorized it yet. 641-715-3660. Participant code 549-032-POUND. Perhaps you've already had an opportunity to read these recommendations and, you know, you have an assessment of what you read. But I'm not seeing nothing but buckets of words. It's justice. The I think she was 12 years old, something like that. You know, she said that that about Tim Wise when he was asked if he was a, a, a racist, if he practiced racism and he starts spewing buckets of words. That's all I'm seeing coming out of this uh, policing task force. Buckets and buckets of words that mean nothing. That mean nothing. They're just basically telling us the problem, and we already know what the problem is. We already know. But I'm going to take a station identification break, uh, kick in some message music, then I'll come back, and I'll just talk about this one area where they're talking about the training and education. Training and education, and, and, and see, because, yeah, training and education does play a big role in um, the policing that we see out there today, all right, and hiring practices, all right, but I don't see him, maybe that's covered under training, I don't know, maybe they'll cover it, but yeah, you're listening to Black Talk Radio News, my name is Scotty Reed, broadcasting from behind these enemy lines known as USA Inc. on this battlefield that they call America, stay tuned. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network for podcasts and live program scheduling, Visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. Community is where you control your police, you control your commerce, you control your education, you control your house. We don't control none of that. We live in a hood. Well, what about the the Negroes that that get out? Oh, well, say, my cousin, they say he's a multi-millionaire, almost got a billion dollars. Three PhDs working on two more. Driving down the street in Chicago in his Rolls Royce, <laughs> enjoying himself, and he hit his sirens and looked through the mirror and see this cop saw flashing lights. Huh. He squeezed the steering wheel, man. Huh? Heart beats fast. Because huh? he knows the price of a Negro, what it could be. And then when that cop car passed him by, he says, thank God, he wasn't after you in the first place, Paul. That Negro thing you can't get away from. It's universal. They wasn't coming after you. With all your millions, with your robots, with your PhD, huh? Didn't help. That's the hood. Huh? Why do you think you never pick up the paper three D over and over and see white families come? You think it's the thousands of black cops in America. Why don't you see white families crying? As black cops, I'm my love one party times at the back of the head. Why do you think black cops don't do that? You think they're more spiritual? Think they're better? No. 
they got enough sense to know that white folks ain't gonna tolerate it. And I will stop in our neighborhood when we decide we will not tolerate. Now, if we were organized, which is hard to organize people who are just gonna run crazy and you don't know you're crazy. But if we were with the money we have and the many people who would come to our aid that don't know what it's like to be a Negro. And we said, if we said, look, we saying, if we don't get a federal law to deal with police brutality, that any time a cop or anybody carry a gun, have to have a license just like you used to drive a car. And if you use it wrongly, you lose your license. And if it's uphill, you can never work again as a cop or a store guard or a private detective. Now, how do you get Congress to push that through? Well, you take your economic power and you call on your friends, black, white, young and old, and say, this coming Christmas, if we don't have a federal law to outlaw police brutality by law, if we call them for a nationwide boycott of Christmas and start on Thanksgiving. Well, let me tell you what that means. 79% of all retail in America happens between Thanksgiving and Christmas. People stay in business all year, lose money just for Christmas, huh? Well, what happens now? Huh? Back Fifth Avenue, Toys R Us, Sears and Rover, Westinghouse. They will get the bill, and all they got to do is make one phone call and say, Harry, that's the senator, uh, I want that bill pushed through in three days. Okay, it's an economic thing. That's simple. But we have the power, but the system has wiped us out so bad. And welcome back to Black Talk Radio News. That was um, Dick Gregory, and um, I forget the name of the artist, um, but I had downloaded, somebody put together that message music on Facebook a year or two ago, and I just um, have it in my library of music, but you notice... Um, something that he was saying in there he was saying a law pass a law push a bill is that what president obama doing with his 21st century policing task force did he put forth any legislation through the democratic party and trying to garner support for it or anything like that is he passing legislation saying that if you don't follow these policy recommendations you will be cut off from federal funding no he's not doing any of that none of that these are just simply recommendations this is a bunch of words on a piece of paper that don't mean squat that has no force of law behind them nothing not even any incentives for them to stop killing people and, and doing all of that again president obama is a puppet he ain't really running nothing. He might have some input, but he ain't really running nothing. Because he ain't trying to piss off the wrong people. Because he wants to continue breathing. And that's just the reality of, of, of the situation. Alright, but they must have told him that this is far as you can go. And you ain't going no far. You can recommend this, 
but you ain't going to put forth no kind of legislation, no kind of executive orders. This is all just talk, man. This is maybe have y'all heard about any police department coming out, holding a press conference saying, yeah, again, this was released in May. I'm late on this. It's September now. Have you heard of any police department saying we have the president's recommendations from his 21st century policing task force and we plan to implement them fully? And these are the steps that we know you ain't heard no such thing. All right. You ain't heard no such thing because they ain't going to do it. They ain't going to do it. This is part of politics, making you think you they doing something to address a problem and they ain't doing nothing but paying lip service. Let's look at Pillar 5, training and education. As our nation becomes more pluralistic and the scope of law enforcement's responsibility expands, the need for expanded and more effective training has become critical. Today's lying officers, he's talking about beat cops, and leaders must be trained and capable to address a wide variety of challenges, including international terrorism, evolving technologies, rising immigration, changing laws, new cultural mores, and a growing mental health crisis. A lot of people that's in, in, in prison have mental health issues, shouldn't even be there. I just read today about this white boy. Um, that was beat to death by these five deputies out there in California who had bipolar disorder. When he doesn't take his medication, he gets a little rowdy or whatnot. And and so, you know, they beat this dude to death, man. They beat him to death. He shouldn't even been in there, in no jail. Should have been getting treatment for his mental health uh, disability. Uh, Pillar 5 focuses on the training and education needs of law enforcement to ensure the high quality and effectiveness of training and education. Law enforcement agencies should, I just love that word, that's my word of the day, should, because I said it a whole lot yesterday as I was reading the policy recommendations of the Ohio Police and Task Force, the police should Engage community members, but you don't have to, particularly those with special expertise in the training process and provide leadership training to all personnel throughout their careers to further assist the training and educational needs of law enforcement. The federal government should support the development of partnerships with training facilities across the country to promote consistent standards for high quality training and establish training innovation hubs involving universities and police academies a national postgraduate institute of policing for senior executives should be created should again be created with a standardized curriculum preparing participants to lead agencies in the 21st century. One specific method of increasing the quality of training would be to ensure the peace officer, first, first time I've heard that being used, see we don't have peace officers we you know people that just are in the community to keep the peace no what we got is law enforcement officers and the SCOTUS said that that uh, police officers duty is not to protect and serve the communities that they are deployed to but their job is to enforce the law yeah enforce all these unjust laws to put people into slavery for victimless crimes 
See, a peace officer, and I learned this from law enforcement against prohibition uh, when I did an interview of one of their members, and he was saying that's what we need. A peace officer keeps the peace. He's not there to make arrests, to fill quotas, to write tickets. He's there to keep peace in the community, all right, and, and respond to violence and things of that nature. It says, again, let me start over, one specific method of increasing the quality of training would be to ensure that peace officer and standards training boards include mandatory crisis intervention training, which equips officers to deal with individuals in crisis or living with mental disabilities as part of both basic recruit and in-service officer training, as well as instruction in disease of addiction, implicit bias, and cultural responsiveness, policing in a democratic society, procedural justice, and effective social interaction and tactical skills. Again, a bunch of buckets of words. Now, he mentions implicit bias, but nowhere do I, he even say that in your hiring practices, you, sh you will, not should, but you will employ impl implicit bias testing before you hire an officer. Because we don't want any self-hating Negroes policing the black community just as well as we don't want any racist white supremacists wearing Confederate underwear in our communities. See, again, man, this is nothing but garbage. This is garbage. Why about not arresting people who are inflicted by the disease of addiction? All right. How about that? For a policy initiative, not a recommendation, not a suggestion, but an initiative, a directive. I don't even want to read the rest of this because it's all garbage, man. It's all garbage. I, I, I'm going to read the rest of it, but not on air. I'm going to study this, but I'm telling you. I have scanned most of this, and the title itself tells you that these are only recommendations, not directives. So that's, that was a complete waste of my time reading that, just complete waste, other than to point out the wool that they trying to pull over your eyes. Let's move on. Let's move on. Criminal misconduct dominates Baltimore police terminations. This is coming to you from the BaltimoreSun.com. It was shared on our Facebook page, New Abolitionist Radio, which is managed by me and Max and Johanna. Um, it says, even as leaders of the Baltimore Police Department work to improve the agency's image, documents show that criminal misconduct dominates the reasons for employee terminations. So how can you have criminal misconduct dominating the reason cops getting fired and then you attribute that to just a few bad apples? From late September 2012 to May 4, 2015, that's three years, right? 18 employees 
25% of the 70, 72 cases were either fired or forced to resign in lieu of termination because of criminal convictions or criminal misconduct, according to records the Baltimore Sun obtained through a Maryland Public Information Act request. Now, let me say this right here. These are the ones that got busted because I remember uh, Detective Joe Glass saying that, you know, uh, when he brought stuff to their attention, they targeted him and forced him to quit by threatening his life. So these are just the ones that got caught. They probably got caught on tape, on video. They might have been still in front of the department. Who knows? Who knows? But I'm sure it's a lot more going on than just these 18. All right. Besides criminal misconduct or convictions, nine employees were forced out for e for making either false statements or false reporting. What do you mean? Setting innocent people up for crime? Is that what they mean? Another nine were ousted for misconduct, but the records don't specify the type of misconduct. Wonder why. The Sun requested a breakdown of the 72 separations in the three years. Of those, 55 were sworn officers, 16 were either trainees or probationary workers, and one was a civilian employee. Some reasons for other four separations include insubordination, narcotics violations. What, did, did they get a drug test or something or, or what? Got caught snorting coke or, or what? I don't know. Domestic violence, oh yeah, domestic violence. Cops commit acts of domestic violence at twice the national rate. Uh, unsatisfactory performance, what, they didn't write enough tickets? Multiple DUIs and being absent without leave. Twelve of the separations don't specify the charges officers face. Maryland law prevents employee names from being Release. Let me see. Of the 72 separations, 26 are listed as terminations. 12 show retired in lieu of termination. Yeah, we busted you committing a criminal crime, uh, um, committing crime and whatnot. But we ain't going to take your pension because we got compassion for you and we just going to allow you to retire with your pension intact. Doesn't matter what kind of crime you committed. Uh, if the remaining 46 employees who resigned or retired fought the charges, the department would have had to win a conviction at a trial board. So that means that police departments don't even have the right to just fire a cop outright. This is the work of their police unions to prevent that. The police department terminations garnered headlines in the aftermath of April's arrest, unrest. They talking about the Baltimore uprising. When then Commissioner Anthony Bass told reporters he fired 50 employees for misconduct. The 50 terminations that he mentioned did not match records the department had provided months earlier as the son was investigating brutality investigations. So he lied. He just basically lied. Told a lie. Of course, he's since been terminated himself. <sighs> All this tells me, people, is that it's more than just a few bad apples, that there seems to be something going on at these police departments, like in Baltimore, that nurtures a culture 
of corruption. Nurtures a culture of corruption. So that's all I got on that. It, 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 it speaks for itself. It speaks for itself. The last thing that I'm going to share with you as I get ready to wrap up today's broadcast, um, get back to work on these uh, performance reports, make way for Tando Radio Show coming up here at 6 o'clock. I don't know if y'all saw this one, but you had a member of Donald Trump's security team attack a man after he stole the man's uh, banner. Uh, the banner said, Trump, make America racist again. Well, you know, that's kind of not correct language because America ain't never stopped being racist. So I don't know what they're talking about. But that's what the banner said. Trump, make America racist again. At Donald Trump's ceremonial loyalty oath signing on Thursday, a group of protesters showed up holding a big blue banner that read Trump, make America racist again. A Trump security guard took offense at this sign of insolence and ripped the banner away from them. One of the protesters then chased the guard and grabbed him. I didn't see him grab the man. I saw him try to grab the uh, banner back. At which point the guard turned around and clocked the guy. From the New York Times, the Trump campaign said that the security team member on Thursday was jumped from behind and that the campaign would likely be pressing charges. The banner disappeared in the Trump Tower never to be seen again quite rightly i might add this sort of impudence from losers and lightweights will not be tolerated when donald trump is president truly he is already making america great again they have the video it's only scuffles outside trump headquarters comes as trump employees try to move and take signs from anti-trump protesters some along the Fifth Avenue sidewalk are dressed as members of the KKK. They wanted to draw attention to the Republicans' call to deport millions of undocumented immigrants. They took all, the, all our banners and stuff. They, they wanted to rip them up, but we rescued some of them. Trump's aides say that the demonstrators were blocking the sidewalk. Police were ultimately called. So what I saw there, again, as you heard described, is these people... Um, Gathered on a public sidewalk, all right, on a public sidewalk, holding a banner saying Trump is making America racist, all right. Trump security team member went and grabbed the sign and turned to go into the building after he stole these people's property. That's their property. He stole it, all right. He didn't like what it said, so he going to take it. The man goes after him to retrieve the prop the stolen property at which point the security guard turns around and punches the man looks like inside of the face that was clearly an assault on that man but of course you know as typical with white supremacists it's like you know malcolm x said and says in some of the clips that i play the criminal attacks the victim and then turns around and blames the victim for committing a crime says the victim committed a crime these people were victims of a crime theft and assault but of course trump wants to press charges against the victims typical 
typical behavior of white supremacists. Police didn't call, didn't, I, I haven't heard that the police have made an arrest of this Trump security guard. And of course, Donald Trump was cited by the people in Boston, the two racist white supremacists who was committing welfare fraud, living with their mother in public housing. All right. Um, yeah, they attacked a homeless Hispanic man who they presume or assume was an immigrant or was here undocumented and attacked him uh, with a uh, with a pipe severely injured the man and they said Donald Trump is right Donald Trump right he's taking these people are taking over our country yeah and remember Donald Trump said if black lives matter people interrupt one of his campaign events that he might not fight them but somebody will fight them So you sending that sort of message out, that dog whistle out, we see in violence. Now, those people wasn't, wasn't out there committing any acts of violence. They weren't throwing anything at Donald Trump. They didn't try to snatch his toupee off or, or anything like that. They just standing out there expressing their First Amendment rights with a banner. And, you know, the criminals want to steal their banner and then assault them for uh, standing up for themselves. So. That's America for you, man. That's America. That's America. Tomorrow, um, let me see. Just to remind you, some of the programming coming up. 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, Tando Radio Show will be on air. 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, Race Treaty Radio will be on air. And at 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, the Lotus Place will be on air. That will round out your live streaming uh, today for September the 4th here on the Black Talk Radio Network's digital radio station providing you with new black media for the new millennium. Uh, Saturday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Um, make sure you tune in as we do carry the cows compensatory call in. That's every Saturday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. And I will be back on air on Sunday night with another broadcast of political prisoner radio all right people i got to get back to work recognize the fact that you live behind enemy lines certainly we are treated like you know we're enemies have been for centuries being preyed upon put into slavery being gunned down in the streets so when you recognize that you live on a battlefield there's been over 800 casualties this this year alone from police, not protectors of the community, from the police, the neo-slave catchers. When you recognize you live on the battlefield, there are steps you can take to reduce the likelihood that you will become a casualty. I would recommend the YouTube channel. Just uh, go to YouTube and put in Flex Your Rights. Flex Your Rights. They have uh, several videos that recommend how you interact with these neo-slave catchers and there's no guarantee of course that you won't be enslaved that you won't be brutalized that you won't be gunned down but if you just follow some of those recommendations hopefully it will decrease the likelihood that that will happen to you it's just teaching you codification in that area all right so with that said 
Peace and blessings to all. Make sure y'all stay safe this weekend, all right? Because a lot of stuff tends to happen over the weekend. And and y'all be safe because I don't want to hear, hear about anything happening to anyone um, tune in to this station. All right. Peace and blessings to all. Yeah.